This is Amazed by God, brought to you by Through God's Library. We bring you stories of faith and God's goodness shared by people like you. I pray we build and encourage your faith. If you have a story to tell, please let us know by contacting us through our website at amazedbygod.com. We would love to help you share it with the world. While you're there, check out our other ministries. And if you would like to support the work God is doing through us, you can find the details on our website or go to patreon.com forward slash Mark Now here's your host, Mark, with a story of faith. Hello and welcome, welcome to Amazed by God, brought to you by Through God's Library. This is your host, Mark Stitchin, and with me today is Pat Brink. Hey guys. Uh, so uh, I asked Pat to come and share. I, I've known Pat for, what, about three years now, probably? Yeah, I think we were, uh, you could say acquaintances for acquaintances, a long yeah. time before that. But yeah, probably about three years now we've been in pretty steady communication. Yeah, so uh, we met at, at a... Good friend of ours, uh, Dave's house, uh, actually watching wrestling, I believe. Uh, you were right. That's yeah. it. Uh, WrestleMania. It, yeah, that's what I was going to say. It was, pretty, it was a Mania night. So I, I, I always enjoy watching wrestling with you because you know the insides and the outs of it. So uh, uh, that, was always, that was always a plus. And, and I remember the, the first time I think you were invited over, uh, there was probably a bigger group. And I remember Dave saying, you probably should talk to this guy. He's... He's, uh, he definitely likes, likes to talk about God and, and share about faith. And, um, uh, that definitely didn't, this definitely didn't disappoint. So I always, I always enjoy talking to somebody that has a, a, you know, a spiritual love and longing to know more about God. And mm. every time we've ran into each other or talked to each other, uh, I have been, I've been blessed just to kind of hear your passion. Uh, and your spirit. And uh, when we ran into each other at I-5, mm. you know, just hearing what you were talking about there and everything else always encourages my spirit to see that there's there's uh, the people that have that same kind of spirit and passion. You know, when we talked about, um, what was it, uh, apologetics mm. that one day yeah. in church. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Uh, that was just, you know, just... It, it, it brings my heart up, and it always brings a smile to my face when I meet people like that. So I've always been very appreciative of, of every time we've talked. Oh, yeah, man, me too. And to, you know, even as a pre, pre-rec, since you, you mentioned it, man, um, Dave is a guy, Dave Hensey specifically, is a guy that I am. I'm, I'm so grateful for that dude, man. And he, in and of himself, it's, uh, it's a story, the fact that he and I are friends of how God works, because before I ever even thought about becoming a Christian, I used to see him in and around wrestling shows Mm -hmm. and it would be that he'd wind up at the same church as I, um, and we would become good friends. And I look at that as a, like almost like a small benchmark thing, because it's not like Dave became part of Lighthouse Church, which is where I attend as well as I know Lighthouse is your home. It's not like Dave came to Lighthouse when Lighthouse was a couple thousand people. He came while Lighthouse was still a relatively small church when I was in, in the beginning stages of my faith. And so always look at how that was like a cool moment for me um, to become friends with someone I had previously known outside in a setting yeah. like that. 
But you know, you know how he came because I invited him. Oh, that's uh, awesome. I don't know if you know how I came to Lighthouse, and I think I might have shared it on here before, was was when I stepped down from the last church I was a senior pastor at, mm. uh, I was asked, well, where do you want to go to church? And I was driving down 3rd Street. Uh, I mean, I was driving down B&A Boulevard right past 3rd Street. I looked over, and there's a church that says Lighthouse, and they painted the outside black, <laughs> and I have an affinity for black. And I said, I'm going to go there this Sunday. And pretty cool. that was how I wound up there and then started inviting people and, and you know, you know, him and I had had become friends uh, through the last church that I was at, and that was kind of how how they 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 wound up there. And, and I know a lot of people came just because they painted the outside of the church black. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I you know, my first impression when I walked in the very first time was that it just didn't, you know, look like a church. And I remember saying that to my wife. I mean, mind you, I was a few weeks into going to church, and as I'm walking in, I just saw this brick building. Uh, that looked like, you know, an, an old warehouse or, or something of that sorts. And, you know, I had gone to a mega church down in Florida that was huge. It looked like a church. And I thought I was an expert after a few weeks <laughs> to which, um, you know, my wife told me I needed to check my ego, which I've been told many times during the course of my marriage and rightfully so. But uh, I, I, I remember very well um, walking into the place the first time and you know, being overwhelmed with the authenticity that, that was within those walls. You know, I, I we, we went there together when, when and Lighthouse is now, what, thousands of people uh, over multiple services and multiple campuses. And uh, hmm. when we were there, when I was there for the first time, it was less than 200 people, one service. And I don't know if it was the very first week I was there. I don't know if I've ever shared this with you or not. But it was either the first week or the second week that I was there. Uh, Sammy, who was the pastor of Lighthouse, was speaking, and he had referenced uh, a guy who used to be in wrestling <laughs> and is on fire for God. And that is what we want to do. I don't know if you remember that or not. Uh, but he was from the pulpit was talking about you. Um, and I remember sharing that with Hensi. Uh, because him and I were, Dave, sharing it with Dave uh, because we are friends. He was like, I was like, he was talking about some guy that's been in wrestling and is now on fire for God. <laughs> I remember having that conversation at our small group. Uh, so we have been connected in some way for, for a while. Uh, but that, that always just stayed in my mind. No, I never, uh, I never knew that. I know exactly which sermon you're talking about because it became apparent to me um, that God was doing something different at me. Uh, that particular time, I think Lighthouse actually had just moved to two services because I had attended the service in the morning that day, and he didn't, Sammy didn't reference that. But the one that ultimately made its way on to the Lighthouse app at the time, and um, that he that you know later uh, used, he was was in the later service that day. I attended the early service that morning. And later in the evening, I started getting a bunch of friend requests on Facebook <laughs> from people from the church. And I thought something was odd about it. And someone told me, hey, you need to go back and check this sermon out. And when I did, um, as opposed to in the past, I would have, you know, I would have eaten that up, man, and, and, and soaked it in and, and looked at it as an accolade. Um, it, it really humbled me in a lot of ways that there was, uh, that God would speak you know, through uh, a pastor in a church in any capacity about me. 
And it was actually a pivotal moment. And I had no idea that that would be what would or was what ultimately led Dave to the church. Yeah, I don't I I, I say that's exactly. <laughs> no, yeah. yeah. Or but even, well, that was one of the, the that point. was one of the things that I, I was one of my first weeks being there. I don't know exactly what it was because I, they were at the two services shortly after mm-hmm. I got there. Uh, but that was one of the things that I shared with him about the church. It was like, you should probably come check this church out. Mm. Uh, now, he was still serving in another church, and it may have taken him a little longer to get there. But I do remember that was being one of the things that I shared with him because, uh, you know, the local wrestling scene, uh, which you were a part of and where he knew you about, I did not know at that time. Uh, so I didn't know who you were. Uh, but, you know, I knew, I figured he did because I knew he went to all those shows. And, and him and I were just becoming friends at that time. So, uh, and it was a couple months after that that him and I started to get get pretty close. So, that was that was definitely something that I shared with him uh, about about Lighthouse. So, but anyway, uh, <laughs> that's that's some history between us. I know that was riveting stuff. So, but we are here to share stories about God and what God has done amazing in our lives. A lot of people hear you know stories from big pastors or you know these big stories, but every one of us has a story to tell. And every one of us has a story to tell for a reason, to share and touch with somebody else. So uh, we here at Amazed by God just like to hear what you have to say, and uh, we pray that it touches somebody. So, uh, Pat, what has God done amazing in your life? Man, that's, uh, that's such a dense question because God has done so many amazing things in my life. I, I find the fact that even I just that I sit here with you even recording this to be absolutely amazing. Um, not just because of my life story that I could be dead. I could be in jail. Um, I could be at rock bottom. Uh, but just in and of the fact of how our stories have intertwined and we've come to know one another. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I've the same thing you said earlier of, of how you've, you know, found, um, you know, being blessed and throughout our interactions, man, that's the same for me. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer that iron sharpens iron, man. And I've always found myself encouraged uh, through our conversations. And I've been excited for a long time to sit down and do this with you. But um, if I were to really talk about how God's amazed me, um, you know, lately, it's been through the course of, of various apologetic studies and, and looking at things through the fine-tuning of the universe to uh, what is referred to by William Lane Craig as the Kalam cosmological argument of basically everything has a cause. And so um, those are things that I could rabbit trail down and spend hours talking about that that just really make the the basic existence for God so overwhelming and make uh, general revelation, uh, as it's referred to, um, just so dense on a level that that I can't even begin to wrap my mind around still a couple years into studying it. Um, But but really, um, I have to, to, if I'm going to share where I'm amazed by God and really amazed the most, it does, it goes back to the testimony of being able to look at my life and see that God was always in pursuit of me despite some rough circumstances and some rough upbringing. Um, like many, you know, people probably listening to, to this today and, and many people that you encounter in the church, um, I, you know, grew up in what I thought was, was an, you know, fairly decent home as a kid, uh, despite the fact that my parents fought like crazy, uh, they would pack me and my brothers up and send us to church pretty regularly. Uh, I remember being able to say a prayer over dinner at six years old 
and I reference this a lot, you know, although I didn't know what, what that prayer meant, I knew to, to pray and be thankful for my food. Um, you know, we were uh, as poor as could be as, as a child. I remember living in row homes in Baltimore City that we, one specifically, we had a section of the living room my brothers and I weren't allowed to go in for the fact that we might fall through to through the basement, to which my mom would ultimately end up one day falling almost mm. halfway through into our basement. Wow. And so uh, growing up, you know, through the system in poverty, um, on uh on government assistance at different times and you know being uh one of few a few white kids in the area that i went to school in in the ball in baltimore city and and just being you know where we were to to look at that being the early stages of my life and look at where i am today uh is absolutely incredible and it just um you know even now it can sort of start welling up my throat a bit to 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 play back on that the pivotal moment would be that when, you know, one of the pivotal moments would be that when I was 10 years old, you know, my parents separated. And at that point in time, I had really, uh, by 10 years old, I had come to grips with the fact that I couldn't not sin. You know, as weird as it, it is, I remember as a kid wrestling with the fact that like I couldn't not sin and um, already trying to figure out what I believed about things because while my parents were sending my brothers and I off to Sunday school many times, they didn't actually attend church themselves. And so I don't know what was going on at the time. I think mom and dad were just trying to get some time together, but when they ultimately, it wound up separating, uh, which was um, really a story of my father leaving and my mom having three boys to to try and now take care of and she had some tough decisions to make of herself um you know faith sort of went out the window we would find ourselves where we had moved from baltimore city to being stranded in a trailer in uh, king street south carolina which is a really small town to my mom packing us up and selling everything that they owned which wasn't much to get us to laurel maryland to live with her mother my grandmother and we bounced around even then and man i could spend hours and hours and hours talking about so much uh that was going on back then that even now continues to come to light as relationships are healed in my family mm -hmm. and um i remember being 12 years old and we were living in this one neighborhood in laurel and i stumbled upon this group of kids playing kickball and I remember that uh, was like my absolute favorite game as a kid. I love playing kickball more than basketball, dodgeball, any of that. And so I, I invited myself into the <laughs> kickball game. <laughs> you know, I, a couple years ago, I used to say I was the Chris Davis of kickball, but that reference is not something you want to say anymore. <laughs> no, not <laughs> I think Chris Davis is an amazing human being, but, you know. Um, he's lost it. He, he's not. He's definitely not uh, putting up the numbers he once was. So. I invited myself into this kickball game. Long story short, it wound up being a youth group. I got invited in uh, to hear about Jesus. And I remember sitting down in that chair and inside before they started talking. And they put a cup of juice and a couple cookies in at every chair. And feeling so skeptical, even by then, of what was going on. And I waited for everyone else in that room to drink their juice and eat their cookies to make sure something didn't happen to them after they did before I would eat mine. And I remember <laughs> sizing these guys up in this room, these adults, and even telling myself, well, there's like 30 of us and two of them. We could take them if they try to do something to us. That was just where I had grown. Well, 
after three weeks of going to that group, God began to even soften my heart. I started taking my younger brother with me. We got invited to go to this youth retreat in which um, we went to this youth retreat, uh, um, you know, about an hour away from home. And man, it was, it was incredible. Um, it was, there were games, there were messages, there was prayer time, there was Bible time. And on this retreat at 12 years old, I remember committing my life to Christ and, and just being all in, man, and, and feeling like I knew that God loved me. And we would, I would go back home from this retreat, uh, not even three, four weeks later, my mom would uh we would move to another side of town and it just made it completely inconvenient for me to continue to attend that group we didn't have the technology that we have now and i sort of lost touch with them and Mm. um you know so so you know four weeks after that i was no longer a part of this group and very quickly like after my after my 13th birthday i found myself running with guys that we were um we were smoking pot. We were drinking malt liquor. And I say malt liquor because that's what it was. It wasn't <laughs> beer. You know, we were watching, um, you know, we were into, you know, rap music and hip hop music and just uh, that whole culture. I was in love with it. And so, you know, the the 40s and the weed, man, that was it. Mm-hmm. And uh, 13 years old, I thought I was a boss. But the reality of it was, was I am so grateful I didn't wind up dead. Um, I had numerous, uh, you know, run-ins with the law as, as a kid, and I ultimately was, um, you know, would be, be led into a situation of, of where I got kicked out of high school, expelled from high school, and placed into an alternative school, which at this, by this time my family lived in Howard County, um, and it was, it was called Gateway. Well, there was a, it was for kids. It wasn't, you know, just a send these kids to school and get them by it was a school to really rehabilitate kids and there was a staff there man that just loved on me that poured into me that believed in me they and they had no problem telling me about myself when i acted out and i recognize now the things that they were able to recognize then you know the pain that i was going through the the hurt that i was going through and although not one person on that staff ever shared a uh a belief in Christ with me, I don't doubt that there wasn't something in them um, then. And even now to this day, uh, I am friends with several of my teachers, former teachers on social media and, and maintain a small level of contact with them of which one, you know, the one that had the most pivotal influence is a Christian. And so there was, you know, I graduated high school in a situation where I had gone from being the kid getting expelled from his home school to the kid being sent to other schools to help, do peer mediation conflicts. Um, shortly after high school, uh, I ran, and for brevity's sake, man, like I could, I could seriously go for an hour here, but I, I feel where God is leading you and I right now. Mm-hmm. I want to, you know, ha- have some brevity in this. Um, at the age of eighteen, I would find myself in some self-inflicted uh, trouble with the law. Nothing like as a teenager, but nonetheless, I felt as though I was in some deep doo-doo. <laughs> and, um, uh, you know, I, for the first time since I was 12 years old, I found myself in a position of praying, in a position of attending church. I had never stopped at that point doubting, wondering if God was there, but just, um, you know, I think there was a part of me that knew I, even throughout those years, I wasn't living right, so I wouldn't turn to him. Yeah. And so 
and 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 also didn't want anything to do with them well you know you it's nothing like finding out you need them that you're gonna you're gonna go so I found myself praying, asking, you know, God to help, uh, attended a Pentecostal church a few times, which, uh, despite what some people outside the Pentecostal church may say, I'm not, I mean, we know Lighthouse is a non-denominational church, but man, I was really moved seeing people <laughs> in, a, in a Pentecostal church. I, I grew mean, up in a Pentecostal yeah, church. Yeah, I mean, I was, uh, you know, you, you know, Lighthouse started a series today on the Holy Spirit. You talk about the Holy Spirit, you know, um, it moved me and it grabbed me and it kept me engaged and and ultimately I would come out of this trouble that I was in completely unscathed um, you know and and it was the weight of the world came off my shoulders and as the weight of the world came off my shoulders it was it was no it was like all right thanks God um, but deuces I got to go do you know I got to go do me now <laughs> yeah and I began my pursuit of professional wrestling uh, which I quickly found myself in a relationship with a girl whose mom was a Christian to which, you know, I put on this good Christian boy act that couldn't have been more false. We had, as I was in the beginning stages of my career with wrestling and in this relationship with her man for the next, you know, four and a half years, my life would just be tumultuous. And, um, you know, it ultimately led to a breakup. It ultimately led to uh, me questioning a lot about life. Um, it led to a, a bit of a depression, you know, in it. And it's funny because as you have older people that attempt to pour into you in those situations, you know, they, most people never know the right thing to say. And I had many people telling me like, Hey, you're going to, you're going to be all right. You're going to be all right. You're going to be all right. And I didn't believe it. I had two coworkers at the time who continued, um, you know, to just try and lead me to God, to tell me it was, it was, uh, two, two ladies that I work with, but they were adamant of like, you know, God has called you to be this man that you need to pursue becoming. And so, um, they both continued to try to invite me to their church to which I just didn't want to go to their church. And so I found another church, uh, that I could go to attended this church a handful of times. I remember sitting in on a Sunday morning, they gave a real good presentation. The pastor gave a good sermon and, you know, offered anyone who wanted to give their life to Christ to give their life to Christ. I didn't answer his altar call, but I sat in my seat, prayed a, a prayer of, of, you know, acceptance, forgiveness, redemption, and the like. And, you know, I moved on and I realized that I was, you know, the, healed from that relationship. And so I woke up the, uh, the next morning from um, that acceptance of Christ uh, and feeling the weight of the world had been lifted off me and made no attempt to, to, to really uh, dive into what that meant. And so in turn, uh, a couple more days would go by and I just had this revelation of like, man, now I can go, I'm free. I can go after wrestling. I can go after all these things that I want. And, and I can really uh, be blessed in the process. At that point in time, I had a guy in the gym who had been also trying to, to lead me to a relationship with God. And he had been somebody I leaned on heavily to where instantly I became resistant to him. So I would go in the gym, I began to go in the gym and put headphones on even if I didn't have something to plug them into. You kids don't know anything about this, but we didn't have i we didn't have iPods yeah. and iPhones back then. I had this huge disc man that I used to carry around. I used to sleep with one at school. <laughs> I used to have you because they wouldn't let me turn the TV yeah. on. So yeah. that's, that's that's awesome, man. Um, I had my disc man, 
And I, if I didn't have it with me or the batteries were dead, I'd tuck that, that into my waistband and walk away from this guy. So I began to pursue wrestling at a level that I hadn't ever pursued it before. And some opportunities began to happen relatively quickly for me. Uh, I was in um, a couple of TV commercials, not a couple of TV commercials. I was in a couple of segments on Fox 45 uh, News, um, the I think her name is Patrice Harris. She came and we filmed this up to the challenge segment. And I began to make a lot of waves locally here. And I ended up in a TV commercial for 98 Rock, um, to which I'd go out after that and, and get recognized in bars. And I just really, man, my, my ego just continued to swell. Uh, I began to... Um, have relationships and and things with women that were just uh as i look back on it now man just just so wrong you know i manipulated a lot of people and you know i'm not going to say what i'm about to say to sound cool to sound hip or any of that because it's not the case man i mean there's a potential that my wife and my children are going to listen to what i'm saying but i want to be transparent you know i was a bit of a womanizer you know that i was uh, running through women like water and you know there was a different woman in my bed every night and I would find myself in these brief relationships to sort of try to get grounded in them and 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 it just wasn't satisfying I would move on to the next one and even if I had a relationship with with a girl at the time or had something with a girl at the time there were uh, you know there would be other women in the background that they may or may not have known about and um, man, it, it was continuing to exhaust me and continuing to, to leave me dry. And I could, you know, the satisfaction I kept thinking I was finding in that I wasn't. And again, I don't say any of this lightly, man. One of my biggest uh, things that I have to pray to God about often is, and, and I say this to, to anyone, is when I look at my past, man, I don't take it lightly because I hurt a lot of people, uh, a lot of people. And the uh, reality is, is that I'm aware that me coming to my faith and having what I have and having the fire and the passion that I do for God to some extent may actually be a stumbling block for somebody, you know, that, that was a victim of my past or somebody mm. that witnessed my yeah. past, you know, that, that that could actually be a stumbling block for them coming to faith themselves. And while that's between them and God and they need to flesh that out and they have their own things they need to work on with God, I don't ever, you know, want to shine a light on my past as any kind of good thing because it wasn't. And I want to have a level of sensitivity to the fact that, like, straight up, I was a scumbag. And, and I was a bad scumbag. You know, I had a, a disregard for God, a disregard for his creation, a disregard for his children, even if they didn't know they were his children, that, you know, it, 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 it humbles me to my core to this day to think that, that, that I could be used in any capacity um, by the same God that I disregarded so badly. You know, I, um, I look at Christians nowadays, um, and the way that Christians act and interact with the world around them, they can still have that same effect. That's yeah. such a powerful statement that you just made, that, you know, the way that you interact with other people, uh, you know, we are called to be, you know, love, we are called to love people. Um, and no matter who you are, you interact some people good and you interact some people bad. Uh, and I, I, I struggle with some Christians nowadays that, that interact with, with bad. I just had a conversation actually this morning um, with somebody who lives in Seattle uh, that listens to this um, and wanted to bring up homosexuality with me over text. And I'm mm. like, that's not a text conversation, right. you know, uh, because I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want them to take anything I'm saying 
wrong. I want to have a genuine reaction with them. And, and what you just said there about, about how, you know, no matter what we do, we, we leave things. And, and, and for Christ, we don't want to do that. We don't want to leave that negative taste. Right. Thank Yeah. That dude, it's, it's so true. And it's funny what you just said about texting because, uh, Sammy used uh, an analogy this morning in a sermon in regards to texting versus talking and how people actually used to talk on their cell phones. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I'm a conversation guy, man. I don't want to spend all day texting you when we can talk for five minutes and say what we'll spend hours writing up. I think there is a benefit to texting in certain situations because it allows you to think your responses through. And if you're really trying to use discernment to not say something That's you shouldn't, true. that mm-hmm. you may say on the phone. But for the most part, I, w- I want to talk. I don't want to have long, drawn-out text messages, although I am capable of sending a long text. Um, and I do in certain situations. Uh, talking, there's so much more context to talking. And so, um, you know, uh, so, so back to where I was, in the midst of, of, of all this, you know, I had these opportunities for wrestling that were continuing to happen. In January 2008, I packed up. I moved to Florida. Uh, I began to train with the Dudleys. Uh, within three months, I had a tryout with the WWE. Uh, that tryout went rock solid. Like I knew uh, out of myself and maybe a dozen guys that tried out, no one needed to tell me that uh, I shined above them all. And as arrogant as I was at the time, it wasn't for a level of arrogance. It was for a confidence in the preparation that I had going into that. It was literally let me go home and just sit back and wait for the phone call because I know it's coming. And, you know, just a couple of weeks later, it would be that my phone would start ringing, but it wasn't, uh, it wasn't the phone calls that I expected to come in. Um, I would get a phone call on April 4th that uh, a good friend of mine had passed away um, in her sleep. And, uh, you know, that one, that one hit me. And I actually wasn't because I was in the middle of my tryouts um, with the WWE it was just just right around the time of them i wasn't able to to make her service mm. and then um a couple of weeks later i would get the call that that really sort of rocked my life and rocked my you know foundation it would be that my 15 year old sister had passed away um and and that's uh that's a whole other one man he, you know i could get into uh, uh that you know um, my 15-year-old sister passed away, and it, it really, uh, man, my, my whole world fell apart. Um, a month later, I would get a call that a friend of mine from the gym passed away. Uh, a month after that, I would get a call that a friend of mine had ended his own life. Um, and then a month after that, my grandmother passed away, the, my mom's mom that had originally taken my brothers and I in. And I did get signed by the WWE in the middle of that. Um, and I went to, to training camp um, in, in their developmental system. And, you know, it was, it, was, it was rough. You know, I showed up 60 pounds overweight, to which led to a lot of speculation to was my tryout even authentic? Was I maybe using uh, some perform- performance-enhancing drugs that I wasn't? And, you know, I was on real, real thin ice. And, um, but I turned it around really, really quickly and I dropped the weight really fast. I, I got back in shape. It was all systems go. And to which that led to even more accusations from my <laughs> peers of performance enhancing drugs that just weren't the case. Um, I was fortunate enough to have enough knowledge on working out nutrition and all that to, to really do what I had to do. 
and you know I was receiving adoration and, and praise at the time. And then a week before Christmas, I got a call while I was out in Los Angeles, um, actually doing motion capture work for the, the WWE video game that would be released a year later. That my best friend since the age of fourteen had had passed away in his sleep from hereditary high blood pressure. And this guy had done two tours in Iraq. Um, you know, he was a man's man. As a matter of fact, when he was, when we were, not he, when we were teenagers, we would sit around and smoke pot together, and he found himself to be an atheist. And, you know, I believe there was a God. And we would have these debates about whether God was real. And I just couldn't wrap my mind around the fact that he thought one day it was all going to go black. And in the midst of things, the last several months before he passed away, he, you know, due to some life circumstances, he ultimately came to know Christ. Mm -hmm. He was actually ministering to me in the midst of, of all of this. Weird how things turn. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was, you know, it, it was crazy. And so, um, you know, despite the fact that I was in the WWE program and then despite the fact that I was thriving, man, I was broken inside, dude. And like, I had no, uh, level of, 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 you know, I was numb to so many things. Um, there are, you know, a relationship I was in would ultimately end after my departure from the WWE, this first go around, um, you know, and, and I would pack up from Florida and I would come home to Maryland for, for healing, so to speak. And it's weird because I should have known, you know, I had this nudge the whole time, but I also found myself in a place where I was angry with God. You know, that I didn't stop believing there was a God there. I just didn't understand anything about his love, his mercy, uh, the way this world really actually worked. And so there was a part of me that was sort of saying God is responsible. And if he's responsible for all these people passing away, why should I want anything to do with them? And it's a, it's a tough question. It, yeah. It's rough, something we all have to struggle with at some yeah. point. And, you know, um, Ultimately, I, I would find myself in a situation where uh, I would meet my wife and, and her and I would get together. And uh, she was in the middle of a pretty messy divorce at the time. And, you know, my wife had three kids and I never once expected to uh, to actually meet her kids because, you know, I wasn't expecting that we were ultimately going to work out. You know, there was a big part of me that, that you know, wanted this you know, new relationship to be it. But I had grown so pessimistic and so cold with the world by that point that I just, you know, was, wasn't sure if it was going to. And due to the blizzards of 2009, early 2010, I wound up uh, being snowed in with my wife and her three sons for the better part of 11 days and quickly found myself in, inserted into this family. And prior to, by, by the time her and I got together, I had come to this realization of, you know, I can't live the way I'm living anymore. I knew uh, that everything I had been doing up until that point was wrong. And, you know, while I look back now, I know that it was the, the Holy Spirit convicting me. Um, I didn't, you know, I didn't know it then, you know. And so her and I got together, uh, ultimately, it was, you know, could have been a temporary thing, could have not been a temporary thing. But, you know, ultimately I knew I was going back to Florida at some point. You know, there was never a question of if I was going back to Florida and that I was going to, you know, continue to wrestle. And so it wouldn't be long after we started our, our relationship that I would pack up, go back to Florida to sort of get ready to get back in shape to re-sign with WWE. And that is, that's what happened. 
And so I re-signed with WWE in the fall of 2010. And for the better part of the next year and a half, um, her and I attempted to do a long-distance relationship. And I don't care who you are. Uh, you try to do a long-distance relationship inside the confines of, of how God uh, um, you know, directs things and orchestrates things and try to lean on him and have him guide you. And that's going to be hard enough in and of itself. You try doing a relationship outside of God's context, and man, that's a whole other ball game. And that, you know, that's where we found ourselves. And it was rough, and it was hard, and you know, um, we just uh, it was it, it was exhausting at times. But there was just something that I knew of like this is my woman, and this is my lady, and this is who I'm supposed to be with. And I just couldn't even wrap my mind around. Uh, factoring that if her and I were going to, you know, we, we were going to make it, you know, and, and I knew that, that whatever I had to do. And there were several times I wanted to pack up and just ask the WWE to release me. And my wife, you know, was very, she's my wife now. She wasn't my wife then. She was very adamant that, you know, you can't, you can't do it. You have to see it through. Um, and, and that wasn't just for them. You know, the wrestling business is a very cold and calloused, unfair industry. It's just about everywhere you go in life is. And it wasn't that uh, I, you know, it wasn't that I began to hate the business. I just began to realize, like, there's more to life than what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was back home in Maryland. And at that point, um, looking at, you know, one day I might be home uh, one day a week, one and a half days a week. You know, and so what's that going to benefit my wife and, and, and my now stepsons? So her and I, after having several people attempt to witness to us at different times at the beginning of 2011, we said, let's find churches. We didn't know anything about church. Uh, we had both been through experiences and some pretty tragic things. We said, let's find churches. You still down there and she's up here? I'm in Florida. Okay. I'm in Florida. She's in Maryland. So full transparency, um, I don't know that I've ever shared this with him, but I would because uh, I, I, don't, I believe in honesty. Um, I had multiple people that had been inviting me to their church at the time, my head coach being one of them. And I remember deciding to go with his church without knowing anything about any of these churches solely because um, I felt that it would help me politically. Okay. Know, that I thought, you know, I was going into church anyway with the with the mindset of, man, I need to just clean up, fine tune, make some tweaks, make some small changes, and, you know, and God can polish me up and, uh, and we'll be good to go. And he'll give me everything I want. I mean, I remember it did. I had the view of if, if I do what God wants me to do, he'll do what I want him to do. And that genie, Santa Claus you know, uh, uh, view of God was so tainted and, and, and skewed, but I didn't know it at the time. And so I remember going in and sitting with my coach at his church for the first two weeks of church and very quickly realizing that I got to do this on my own. Um, so starting the third week, uh, I began to, um, I began to sit by myself. And so, Cardella had found Lighthouse Church here in Maryland. Uh, mind you, this church I attended in Florida was like a mega church. I mean, there was two services, 5,000 people at each service. Um, you know, I came home the first time for her to take me to Lighthouse. 
and it was uh, <laughs> it was different. It was quite different. You know, the asphalt, the parking lot, and the asphalt was all busted up and potholed, man. It was it was rough in there, uh, but. The kids oh, building was in a separate building. <laughs> yes, the, yes, the kids building was in a separate building up this never-ending flight of stairs <laughs> that you better be holding on to the railing to because you did not want to go falling down those stairs. Nope. Um, but man, I, you know, the is as authentic as the experience was in Florida because it was that. I mean, that pastor in Florida would, you know, his sermons would pierce right through me. Uh, the same thing was happening at Lighthouse, and. You know, I couldn't escape the authenticity, and the difference was was I couldn't escape the people, man. With it being a hundred people, you know, in Florida, I could slide into that sermon, man, and I could slide out. And so, as I would come home once a month and visit Lighthouse, you know, I couldn't. We'd have to stand around and talk. And it was really, really interesting with my very first visit to Lighthouse is, as I began to walk into Lighthouse for the very first time, uh, I walked in sort of arguing with girl Cardella at the time uh, about you know even walking in because of how small the place was going to be you know we walk in and had a real small door you walked in this building and like right cat a corner to my right as I walked in uh, I locked eyes with that guy that years prior in the gym used to try to witness to me used to try to talk to me used to try to oh, that wow. I began that I began to tuck my headphones into my waistband and walk away from and we locked eyes and he was like, hey, man, I know you. And I was like, uh, I know you. I was like, I don't remember your name. I said, but I know who you are. And he said, that's okay. I don't remember your name either, big guy. And uh, we, his name is, is Paul. If anybody from Lighthouse is listening to this, it's, it's Paul Ridgely. And I was so moved just by him being there because the reality of it is if I walked in the Lighthouse now with a few thousand people and Paul was there, I wouldn't think anything of that. You know, I'd feel like the chances are pretty high. But with it happening then, with the church being as small as it was and in its beginning stages of growth, man, I've never forgotten the fact that he was standing there when I walked in. And so um, God just began to move, you know, began to move in my life. And, and you know, I wrestled with as I began to learn about God. And again, as I, I told you, I, I wrestled with uh, just ultimately hanging it up with wrestling as I began to realize like the fame, the money, the fortune, that all that stuff that I've been striving for for so long wasn't going to satisfy me, wasn't going to provide for me what I wanted anyway. And, you know, my wife and I, uh, we got baptized. We were actually before we got baptized, I pushed her for us to elope. We eloped, and uh, pretty begrudgingly to her. That's a funny story (laughs) I'll tell you one day. Because she didn't want to be robbed of being my bride. And so we eloped, and, you know, we actually had our wedding. We had a wedding, our wedding, I would say, with our friends and family one year later on our one-year anniversary, which was pretty cool that that worked out that way. And we got baptized, and and ultimately in January of 2012, uh, I made the decision to ask the WWE to release me from my contract and to walk away from wrestling. Um, It was where I felt called at the time. It was due to... You know, me understanding my responsibilities I now had as a husband, as a stepdad, um, as as a, as a new believer uh, in Christ that, you know, I needed to be present with my family. And also there was a lot of where I had chances to rub elbows with certain guys, you know, that I'll leave nameless one who was a pretty, pretty big star 
uh, I realized like this, you know, he had it all. I mean, my man had everything I was striving to get and homeboy was as miserable inside as can be. He might tell you different, but you know, he had millions of dollars, a whole slew of cars, house, the whole nine. And yet he treated people in a way that was behind the scenes, like what I considered to be disgusting, even without uh, looking at life the way I do now. And so um, there was a lot of confirmation for me that it was time to go. And I tell people to this day, you know, that just because I walked away from wrestling doesn't mean that, you know, you can't be a Christian and be in, you know, be a professional mm -hmm. wrestler. You know, yeah. you got to have people everywhere. But for me at that stage in life with my wife, with my stepkids, with my new belief, it, it was time for me to come home. And I knew it was, I was going to come home and I sustained a shoulder injury. And what I knew was going to be my last match and the company didn't know it was going to be my last <laughs> match, but ultimately ended up being my last match. And you know, that would sideline me when I first come home further, adding to me spending more time with my wife and the kids and, mm -hmm. and just giving me the confirmation I needed. So um, I, I know I need to probably bring this thing in for a landing here. <laughs> you know, the uh, I, I would attend through one of my wife's, um, you know, mentors at her job. I would attend a retreat in the fall of 2012. And I knew for six months that I was going on this retreat. And, you know, anyone that's listening, wondering why I've shared like pretty much my life story. Trust me, that wasn't even my life story. I paraphrased a lot here. But this is the pivotal moment in my faith that, that, that grounds me time and time and time and time and time again. So the fall of 2012, I attend this retreat. I know for six months I'm going on this retreat before I go. I had just agreed to it just because um, somebody asked me. I said, yeah, you know, I don't think it's the devil asking me to go on this retreat. So I'm going to go. I get to this campgrounds uh, at night and it's dark. And man, I swear as I'm pulling into these campgrounds, it sort of looks familiar, but I can't really place my finger on it. Um, the next morning I get up uh, and I'm walking to go to breakfast and it hits me uh, to the point that I start walking in and out of cabins. I start checking stuff. And I realized this is the same exact campgrounds that I went to on that youth retreat when I was 12 years old. And it like, I mean, I'm talking rock to me, right? Like in, in the most incredible way. And, um, you know, I would go through the process of, of, of this retreat throughout the course of the day. And I would have some alone time with myself at the end of the day, just, just at the end of the night, mind just blown. Um, you know, here I was, at this same campgrounds, you know, now at uh, 30 years old, actually, um, I'm sorry, I was, I was 31 years old at the time um, that I went to when I was 12. And so I sat in my room and I began to just, to, to just pray and just sort of thank God for, for the work and for that moment. And as I was praying, it began, I just began to, to replay in my head almost like my entire life that, I gave my life to God when I was 12 years old and walked away. I gave my life to God when I was 18 and walked away. I gave my life to God when I was 24 and walked away. And then I was, when I was 30 years old, I, I finally surrendered. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, I'm all in, man. And as I sat there, those numbers just started ringing in my head. And I really, I couldn't drown them out. And it was like 12, 18, 24, 30, 12, 18, 24, 30. They were just spinning over and over again. And it, it hit me where it's, you know, 12 to 18 was six years, 18 to 24 was six years, and 24 to 30 was six years. And so it was like 666. And 
you know, I remember in that moment having this like, just, you know, moment of despair sort of because uh, my ego, as much as it was dying, it hadn't died as much as I liked. And, you know, I began to think for a minute, wait, wait a minute, am I like the Antichrist or something <laughs> here? Like, what is, what does this mean? And, you know, uh, as I began to pray, I just was like, God, what is it? What is this? What is this? And, and I just felt God tell me, relax, uh, you're going to be fine. And it wasn't some audible voice from the, from the sky. It was a thought in my head that was not my own, that I could not shake. And God said, relax, you're going to be fine. And he said, I needed you to know who you gave your life to every time you walked away from me to ensure that you don't do it again. And, I mean, you know, it was the most humbling moment of, of my existence. And um, I will tell you, yes, if you're, if you're a theologian or you study theology, I know that the actual 666 thing can be picked apart to some way. <laughs> There's a lot of debate. There's a lot of... Uh, that didn't go through my head. A though, lot right of things there. over it. There are a lot of, you know, there's so much on it, but I mean... You know, if you ask the average person and if you ask me at that time what 666 was, it's, it means the devil, you know, and I know there's a whole lot behind it. So you can't shake from me what that was in that moment yeah. and that I know that I heard from God. And so um, for me, that was like to me, that is one of the most amazing parts of my of my journey, because I have a clear cut spell of who I gave my life to every time I walked away from Christ. And I know as we live in in this world that we become further and further uh, away from God and we mention the enemy and we mention the devil and we mention, you know, things of that nature and that spiritual battle, it becomes kind of uncool, you know, when you talk to secular people to, to, to try to not talk about Satan and not talk about that you have this enemy of your soul that seeks to devour you, but that's the reality. And so uh, I've been doing this walk for almost nine years now and, you know, I still consider myself to be a baby in so many ways. Um, I know like the, that, like that right there, that, that, that my entire life, uh, while I don't believe that God, um, uh, causes every storm or that there's a demon behind every bush, as Sammy likes to say, some stuff is just self-inflicted. I have a clear cut, amazing printout of who I am without God and mm -hmm. who I am with him. So to me, that where has God amazed me has been that. And I get together with you another time and talk for an hour on the fruit I've seen yeah. since that. You so, know? so you know, you brought the six six thing up, and you you can debate the the endless merits of that. The, the The one cool thing is, no matter what you what where you are, God God uses that. Amen. God, you know, it, even if even if you don't agree that it's supposed to be six 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 and it's supposed to be six one six or it's letters or whatever you believe about it. When somebody's in that midst of something, no matter what it is, that or something else, God will use whatever you know to bring you to it. And then he's trying to bring you deeper. Right. He's trying to continue to bring you deeper. Yes. And, 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 you know, as, as we're wrapping up here, as, as your whole story and everything else, as, as a youth pastor, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a youth pastor. I love, I love teaching kids the Bible and, and, mm. and letting them see the thing. What a beautiful story of the fact that God got a hold of when you were young and was able to continually chase you and you were able to continually see it because someone showed you the gospel mm. someone showed you the kindness and love and 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 you know not to get on a rant or a tangent 
youth ministry is, is, is so important because if we are able to teach kids this love, God's never going to, never going to leave them. That's always going to be there. The spirit's always going to be there chasing them. And, and, and that's such a, such an amazing, amazing story. Mm. I, I appreciate you sharing. Uh, thank you, man. And I appreciate you having me. And, you know, I wish, uh, when I was a kid or even at any stage in my face, someone would have, you know, actually taken the time for me to explain that, that God's call for you to run from the sin in your life is not to kill your fun, man. It's a provision. It's a, it, you know, his boundaries are to protect you and to have you see life through his lenses. So you get the maximum amount of joy out of the things that he's designed for you to get, mm -hmm. you know? And so that for me, uh, is, is, is I will tell my story for the rest of my life because I don't believe that God gives us our testimonies to keep them to ourselves. Absolutely. Exactly. You know? So here at Amazed by God, we kind of like to end with two questions. So mm. uh, uh, first is, is there any Bible story, character, or any, any, anything that's really touched you uh, over the years? The man, I am um, all of them. <laughs> so, you know, you can't highlight uh, the whole Bible. It doesn't yeah, work that way. Yeah, I uh, I find myself at different seasons, man, and you know, just amazed by various people. You know, I'm amazed uh, by Samson. That here was a warrior that was chosen by God, gifted by God, who yet still found himself discontent and sort of apathetic. That he would walk 25 miles to turn his back. on. God, and yet God still redeemed him uh, ultimately in the end. Uh, I'm, I'm utterly uh, amazed most, though, by the Apostle Paul, man. I think if, if I really had to pick one character, it's, it's Paul, because here was a guy that, that grew up, that kept the law, that knew it inside and out, and was, you know, he was the chief of Pharisees, man, and, you know, no one held the law more than him. Uh, he murdered Christians. He martyred people. Uh, he says that he was present when Stephen was stoned to death. And so yet here is a guy that met Jesus on the road to Damascus and had his entire world flipped upside down, which in turn contributed to flipping the entire world upside down. Uh, and if it wasn't for the Apostle Paul, you know, many of us would have never would wouldn't mm -hmm. even know Jesus now. So I want to say that Paul, if I, I mean, I have to put Paul as the guy you know, that, that I read scripture and I'm most amazed by because he spent the least amount of time around Jesus as anybody, but his impact is, you know, ha had a, uh, a rippling effect that, you know, I well, often, that, that's why we're here. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I love uh, a quote I heard once that, you know, people, people name their kids Paul and their dogs Caesar and Nero, <laughs> um, you know, due, due, to, due to things of that nature. And, man, Paul was just that, you know, doubt in my mind, he was a man's man. All right, let me, let me challenge you. I challenge a lot of people to this. Uh, I don't think I've ever said this on the podcast. Go read Paul's letters chronologically from the time that he wrote them. Mm. We, we know a lot about Paul, but it's very interesting to watch his growth in God. He goes from a very, very kind of, brash you know prideful guy even while writing scriptures mm -hmm. to to the end of it as yep. you know he writes philippians and everything else he becomes very humble yep. uh and, and i loved watching his interactions with with the disciples yes. you know at the beginning he's like oh they're nobody and at the yeah. end he's like i'm not even worthy to touch their suit you can even see in scripture the growth in paul yep. if you look through his scripture you know look through what the books he wrote chronologically oh absolutely and um, just so you know, I actually uh, did 
didn't do the study to find that purposes, but at one point I, I worked through the New Testament with a teacher, and that was how we studied it. And it was one of the things we saw was like, man, you know, Paul really uh, he, he he grows up. Yes, he does, and um, it's amazing to see that even these men of the faith who were writing scripture that didn't know they were writing scripture, they were mm-hmm. just writing letters to tell the church yeah. how to do life. Uh, to, to see them grow. And then you see, you know, something similar out of Peter, man, who goes from this, you know, coward to this bold guy. But you see a difference even in the gospel of Mark, which many people believe is yes. is Peter's gospel. Mark was his, his disciple, yes, more likely. to Peter's letters that he would later write, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, uh, I mean, the Bible is so dense, man, in, in, in so many ways. So. All right, well, we end with a question of music. Music kind of moves the soul. Mm. So uh, is there any songs that has touched you that uh, we can go listen to? Oh, man, I, I could <laughs> I could give you a playlist for days, man. Uh, I actually, you know, I still like secular music, but I don't, uh, I really don't listen to a lot of it anymore, man, just because, not because of, of me not liking it, but because of how much Christian music is out there. Uh, that, that I just love from hip hop to rock to contemporary to everything. But really, I think the song, um, it's, it's a newer one for me. Maybe it's not new, but it's a, it's a newer one for me uh, since our church started playing it that I really, 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 um, it's probably my favorite song of all time. And you might ask me that question six months from now, and there's a new <laughs> song that's my favorite song of all time. But at the moment, my favorite song um, is is Sea of Victory by Elevation Worship. Uh, Because, you know, the lyric that says, with the enemy meant for evil, God turns it for good. Uh, I believe that. I've experienced that. I've witnessed that in the lives of so many people in the last nine years. That that the things in your life that, you know, you you know are are harmful, that are evil, that are are turning you down. You can listen to your podcast with the various people that you've, you know, had on that the things that that the enemy of your soul seeks to use in your life to, to, to kill you and destroy you. God is going to take that and turn it around for Mm -hmm. good. And, and, and so I really believe the only victory in life to be found is, is the one to be found in Jesus. And that, um, we should cling on to the fact that we're going to see a victory. All right, give us the name again. What was it? Elevation Worship, See a Victory. There you go. All right, so thank you very much for being on the podcast, Pat. Uh, and uh, for Amazed by God, brought to you by Through God's Library, this is your host, Mark Stitchin. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a five-star rating, and don't forget to subscribe. Thank you for listening.